And we're live. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. We are going to tell the story that we have teased a few times uh, about a truck that we bought and everything that we learned in that. We will change the names to protect the guilty. And uh, But th- this is this is one doozy of a story. Um, I figured I would make a little note that uh, the reason we didn't get anything published last weekend is we one of our trucks was involved in an accident. And uh, so we have been trying to navigate those waters and and get through all the insurance and uh, all that kind of stuff. Our driver wasn't harmed, but the truck was pretty much completely destroyed. So we've had uh, we've been busy for the last week or so, and we've had some other maintenance uh, issues with the other trucks that we've had to uh, had to overcome. So um, it's been a it's been a learning experience for us and the drivers and and everybody. So. We're going to go back in time here to about, it was December, late December. Larry calls me. Hey, I found a truck. You know what? Pause. I'm going to back up even further. Okay. So if you've listened to 49, 50, and 51, uh, we talked about how we got together. So one, when I had the first interview with Larry, my wife and I drove out to Moorhead, Kentucky, we set it a cracker barrel and he told me what he was doing. He was, you know, looking to retire. He had basically two trucks and his plan was to sell the trucks, you know, and kind of be done. And so in the first, you know, I'm going to say 90 to 120 days, I'm, we kind of each made some jokes about, you know, growing the company and or me taking over somehow and but we never really talked about anything concrete until there 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 eventually came a point where we were both like okay there's something here that we can do and so about december we'd been working together probably nine months and he calls me and he says hey i found a truck i'm like okay and it was a it was in a facebook group it was actually owned by someone leased to Landstar and they were wanting to leave. And so I think the guy, what do you want? 16, 17,000 for it? Something like that. Yeah. I think it was. And, uh, <clears throat> so I called and talked to the guy, you know, I've learned a lot of good lessons in this business. And when somebody goes and tells you how good of a guy they are and how they just don't want to screw nobody. <laughs> Watch out. That should be your first sign of trouble. So, so anyway, you know, I heard this guy's story and, oh, you know, he just, he just wasn't thriving in the Landstar system. He wasn't making the kind of money he wanted. He's like, you know what? I'm just, I'm getting out, which, which, you know, is probably a, a good call, you know, for, for some people, if you're just not making it here or anywhere, you know, you probably should just, you know, go somewhere else. So I remember my wife as my witness sitting in our minivan. And I said, Larry, if we bought this truck and you had to put a motor in it a week later, do you still want it? And I think your answer was, I don't know. (laughs) You know, because, you know, let's be honest, at this point in our relationship, I'm not really ready to own the purchase of a truck. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just a guy. I'm just a driver, you know. And uh, so he you went and looked at it. What? On your way back from Christmas, Boston? On the way up to Christmas. 
Okay, so you're on. You're going to go to Boston for Christmas, <clears throat> and you stop and look at this truck, and and you made the decision, you know, to buy it. So you negotiated a deal. It was uh, ten thousand, right? Ten four. Ten four. Okay, ten thousand four hundred dollars. It's a great deal. It was an 07 Columbia, and it had a 12.7 liter Detroit. Now, this is kind of where I screwed up because I had some little, I had some bells going off in my head, but I just didn't, I didn't really know how to find the information I was looking for because I knew that from 2004 to 2007 when EGR came in, there were some EGR 12.7s. Right, we actually own one. We have now. one. Yeah, we have one right now. It's a real 2004, a real one. Bonafide came that way. Okay, so we get the VIN number, and and I'm calling like dealerships and and guys that I know, and I'm like, okay, look up this VIN number, and they're like, well, I'm seeing EGR parts, and I'm like, okay, but we, I mean, this guy says it's got a 12.7 in it, so he gives us a serial number. And the serial number matches. And so we just, we okay, we're just going to buy this truck. So we bought it. Uh, part of the deal was the guy was supposed to bring it to Indianapolis from northwest Ohio. Uh, he didn't. He uh, had a thousand excuses why he couldn't do that. Uh, he was supposed to leave the top bunk in the truck. He didn't do that either. All right, so we pay a $1,000 to have it towed to uh, Indianapolis because any truck that is leased on the Landstar has to go through a pre-lease inspection. And we had a, a um, an inspection place there that we're familiar with, and so we need to get it to Indy. So now we're first week of January, uh, something like that. No, it was a little later. We're close to the end of January. I had gone up there to look at it, and, you know, it, it was, it was what it was, it, it was what it was. And so we had to spend, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking 3,500 bucks, uh, just on stuff, you know, to get it, to get it legal, to pass an inspection. And, um, so I go up there and I actually leave the truck that I was driving because we want to have some work done on it, and then I'm going to take this truck, and it's going to be mine, and we're going to hire a driver, we think, to put in the other truck. So I've learned the hard way. One thing you want to do when you get a truck, you're going to look at a truck you want to buy, is you turn the key on, and you look for all the lights to light up like they're supposed to. One of those should be an ABS light, just so you know. So I take off driving this truck, and it's brutally cold. I remember, because I did some seat swapping out there in Indianapolis, and it was like 97 below zero with a 40-mile air. It was ridiculous. So I get in the truck, and I take off with it. I drove it one week. About two days into the trip, this ABS-like thing, it finally sinks into me, and I'm turning the key on, and nothing happens. And so someone told me that there's an ABS test you can do with the engine off. You press the brake pedal to the floor, and then you turn the key on one click. And it should make each one of the modulator valves sound off. So I tried that. Nothing. Zero. So I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I, I got no ABS at all. 
zero. So knowing now, because I've actually seen and drive the truck, this is not an EGR 12.7. I also figure out that the reason that the serial number matched is because the valve cover from a 14 liter will fit on a 12.7. So in this case, if you take a 2001 BK60 12.7 and you put it in this truck, you can take the original 14 liter valve cover and put on top of it. So it really looks legit, except that it has no ABS or no uh, EGR. EGR. So I start calling around. I, first, I called the Detroit shop in Charleston. Hey, guys, just bought this truck. Um, I've got an ABS problem I've got to figure out. But by the way, it's got a a 12.7 in it from somewhere in the late nineties, early two thousand. They said, can't touch it. I'm like, excuse me. Nope. Can't touch it. Can't bring it in the building. Okay. So I called the Freightliner dealer. Won't touch it. Won't bring it in the building. Illegal. Um, no bueno. Right. So I call Pittsburgh power. Pittsburgh power says, Nope. Can't touch it. Won't touch it. Won't have anything to do with it. Pittsburgh Power goes even further. I think it was John. Pittsburgh Power had built a brand new glider, Western Star, for a customer. Customers out on the road gets pulled into a scale in Pennsylvania, which you know how rare that is. They open the hood. They don't see EGR. They put him out of service until Pittsburgh Power sends all the proper documentation to prove that that engine belongs in that truck. So Pittsburgh Power, John says, park it. Don't you get caught with this truck. You're going to get put out of service and you're going to tow it to wherever it's got to go. And it's not going to run again until it's right. So I call Larry. We discuss. And we just decide and it's not worth taking a risk. Now, if you are listening to this right now and your buddy and your buddy's buddy and your brother's cousin's uncle's friend is running around with a deleted EGR and ain't never had no problems, I don't want to hear it. Okay. I'm telling you what we decided as the amount of risk that we were willing to take in the environment in which we operate right now. And the environment in which we operate right now, the EPA is getting real serious about EGR and DEF deletes. So you can you can do whatever you want to do to your truck. I'm just talking about what we decided to do with ours. So we made the decision to park this truck. It's, it's operated for seven days. So it proceeds to sit in my driveway until May. Yeah, I believe it was May. So five months, it sits in my driveway. And we make the decision. First, we've got to find a motor. Um, we, we, we talked to the local Detroit dealer. Had a long conversation with them about what we needed to do. He says, you know, here's what it'll cost labor-wise to do to take the, old, the bad engine out, which, by the way, uh, you know, for you Detroit nerds, y'all, this was a BK60, tooth, uh, December 1999 BK60. 
great motor, grand awesome, great fuel mileage. Didn't use a drop of oil the week that I ran it. Um, but useless to us. So, uh, the decision was made. We found a used motor out of Michigan, right? Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grand Rapids. Yeah. So we found a motor in Michigan and now you, here's, you'll have to remind me the price on the engine was eight grand, right? Cause we went back and forth about the core versus the swap versus buying it outright. Yeah. So it was like eight grand. But we got a core back. Right. 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 So we were going to look at 6,000, right? 65. I think it was. Come up on that mic a little bit. I think, I think it, I think it was 65. I don't remember. I think it was 6,000 with the core. Yes. Yeah. So after the smoke clears, it's supposed to be 6,000. We've got a, a 90 day warranty. It's, it's guaranteed to run. It's guaranteed to not smoke. It's guaranteed, you know, Basically, they're covering everything for 90 days. So um, I think we were told it had 800,000 right. on it, some, something like that. Right. So we have the motor shipped in. Uh, I see it sitting on a crate. It's been cleaned up. It's been steam cleaned. Um, and uh, so the first thing, as soon as Derek at the Detroit shop walks up to it and he's like, well, that didn't come out of Freightliner. Okay. Where'd it come from? Uh, we find out it came from a Western star. No, no, no. Sorry. Sterling. Sterling came out of a Sterling. Okay. Well, the block and the heads and all that stuff, obviously is the same, but the uh, cam housing was different. The, uh, the valve cover was different. The V pod was in a different location. Just, little nuances that we should have first said, okay, we've got an 07 Columbia. We need a motor out of an 05, 06, 07 Columbia, not out of a damn Sterling. Um, not a, it wasn't a deal breaker by any stretch of the imagination, but it was an inconvenience because we had to move stuff around. It wasn't just pull this one out, set that one in. Uh, so, they they get that straightened out. They do the initial swap. Now we're first told. Remind me here. We're told this is a week, right? Yeah. Ten days. Week to ten days. A week to ten days. Yeah. Out the door. It was a month, or was it six weeks? Uh, it was over a month. Okay. Because I called when it was a month, and <laughs> right. You know. Right. And, and honestly, there's a bunch of it that wasn't their fault. Uh, it, no. You know, some of it was, but but, but there's just so much going on here. So they, they, they pull the old motor out, which runs perfect. They pull that out. They set the other one in. Won't, it won't start. Injectors are no good. So we call the vendor that we got the motor from, and they're like, hey, okay, we'll send you injectors. So they send us injectors. So they put the injectors in it. Uh, they get it to run. Well, now you push on the gas pedal, nothing happens because the turbo's bad and the veins are stuck. And they say, okay, well, we will we'll send you a reman turbo, or you know you can buy a turbo and we'll reimburse you at what we would have. So we're like fine. So we put a factory turbo on it. That was seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars. Um, plus they had a, all they had to put a injector harness in it. They had to put the injectors in it. Of course, they had all the time of trying to figure out why it wouldn't run when they per- first put it in to figure out it needed injectors. 
So we had a, a pile of money there. They covered all or part of that. They cover a chunk of that. The, they covered the, most uh, of it. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were pretty good about getting yeah. it to run. Yeah, they, they, so. they, they took care of us. They did. They did. So, so we get it running. It won't build air pressure. So now we need a new air compressor. Um, so now we have new injectors. We have a new turbo. We have a new injector harness. Uh, new air compressor. And now it won't hold prime. You know, you shut it off, let it set overnight, and it won't start the next day. So we got a new fuel pump and a new, what's it called on the back of the head? Check valve. So we we put a new check valve in the back of the head. We put a new fuel pump on it, and we're off to the races. Now, at this same time, uh, knowing that this motor was going to be out, we elected to put new cab mounts, all new motor mounts, all new cooling. If you know, if it came off, if it was rubber, it got replaced. Um, new cooling pipes, new radiator hoses, new belts. Um, we had to buy a flywheel. We weren't ready for that, so we obviously got a new clutch, and uh, we put a Pittsburgh power damper and balancer on it. We had them put the OPS on it. We had them put the Pittsburgh power muffler on it. We put a fleet air filter in it. Um, and there was something else. All new tires. All new what? All new tires. Right. Well, that we did. Yeah, that we did at the beginning. We put all new, all new tires on it. Um, know what I was thinking about there at the Detroit shop because, um, there were some unexpected things. We didn't know that this new motor would come without a flywheel. And so that was... I don't know. That was twelve hundred, twelve hundred bucks. So the parts bill alone, just at the Detroit shop, was about eight thousand dollars, I believe. In uh, interface harness, we had had a truck that we had had this recurring problem with of losing data inside the truck. So like the the gauges were always going crazy. And at that time, we believed the interface harness was the problem. And so this interface harness is like 400 bucks. And that's basically how the engine computer uh, communicates with the truck. And so given that this harness was 400 bucks and the motor was out of it, we elected to have this new harness put in. Now, because uh, the, the good old boy had done this engine swap, the engine fan didn't work right. And so they ended up having to do a bunch of rewiring on the fan and the air conditioner once the correct motor was back in it because somebody had hacked the wiring all to pieces. So they finally got all that done. So I'm going to let you hit the numbers because I kind of generally know what they are. But And then we'll kind of explain afterward. Now we've kind of laid the foundation as to why we why we do this and why we continue. But did we end up about 40? Well, we end up about 30. At okay. that time, we had it on the road at thirty. Now, since you since it got on the road, we kept finding things wrong with it. So we do we we end up we have forty in it as it sits right okay. now. Forty grand. That's true. Um, so and, that, and that's drive well and well it's driven uh, well about it it has generated to date ninety eight thousand seven hundred ninety one dollars worth of revenue. Okay, and that's about a half a year. So a hundred grand in 
six months. Yeah. We got it on the road in June, right? Yeah. yeah. We still got a month to go. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Now, remind me, what did we do after that? Oh, the wiring and stuff that we had Carl do. We had a, uh, now I'm trying, oh, it was a headlight. So I put, we run LED headlight bulbs, which are awesome, by the way. But I had never had those. And Larry's like, oh, you got to have these LED headlights because they're, they're life-changing. So I put LED headlights in it. And everything up to that point had worked perfectly. Until I'm going down the road and I hit the high beam switch and every damn light on the truck but the left headlight low beam goes out. You know, and I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm clicking the thing and, you know, low beams, everything's fine. High beams, that all goes to hell. So I had uh, Dan that you've heard on the podcast back in the day, he and I, he has a Mac, so he can't get into the Freightliner wiring diagram stuff. So we, you know, we're like a thousand miles apart and we remote into this computer at the house together. And we spent about two hours studying wiring diagrams until we figured out, we found the wire that had to be the problem. So I, I find the wire on the firewall. I cut that wire Realized that this wire is going to ground somewhere. I ran a temporary wire across the motor over to the left high beam headlight and everything's fine. So in my investigation of all of this, I find that there, well, number one, there's a, they call it a strut that holds the fender on the passenger side, just in front of the fuel tank on these Columbia's and centuries that's just rusted and broken in two. And then there's a wiring harness that comes from the firewall down and goes underneath the frame. Well, it looks like at some point maybe it had been burned. Um, it was just this whole wiring harness is gutted, and that's where that high beam wire that I'm having a problem with, that's where it's going. It's coming down from the firewall on the passenger side, and it, it turns and goes under the frame and then distributes itself, I guess, inside the frame rail. So I took it to, to our guy, Carl, in Hurricane, and I'm like, fix it. You know, look at this mess, this mangled mess of wires, uh, and fix it. And so he did. It took him, what, 23 hours he had, uh, I think, in, in that wiring. And he fixed the uh, the cooling pipes that come out on the Detroit uh, EGR and on the 12.7. There are cooling pipes that run along the side of the engine on the passenger side that come from the uh, water pump. And they go over to connect to the heater cores for the front and the rear. Well, when the Detroit shop put the motor in, they didn't order any of those pipes. They just ran like one inch hose and connected everything with hoses. And these hoses were flapping around. It looked like crap. So I bought all of that stuff. And so Carl had about 23 hours at that point just fixing this wiring mess. Uh, and of course, when he got done with it, he found all the spots where the wiring, the, the com- they call it a commodity harness. And these are harnesses you can't buy. They're, they're, these are the harnesses that are laid in the frame rails when the truck is built. And so if there's a problem in there, you just have to fix it. You can't repl- you can't just order like this interface harness. You can't order new. So Carl goes in there and does an amazing job. Looks beautiful, better than, you know, probably was a factory. And, uh, so up until we had, a, we had a tie rod break on it here uh, a couple weekends ago, miraculously, the driver got it off the road and we got that fixed. So, but all in still, we're at 40 grand. So I'd like for you now to kind of go into that 40 grand number, what that means in the big picture, comparatively speaking to now having a truck that's still yet 
I, I don't think has used a drop of oil in the six months that we've had it. I, I don't. I think we. I think I put one gallon of oil in it since we've since we've had it. Well, our model, our budget, and our model calls for us to be somewhere around forty in a truck. That, that's just that's what work. That's the number that works for us. And um, so, if we buy a truck that's in really really good shape, and we spend thirty thousand dollars for it, and we um, end up end up just putting you know tires on or something like that. You know, we still work out uh, in this situation where we got the truck for ten thousand dollars. You know, um, we had a lot of it was a great deal, but we knew that we were going to have to do a lot of work to it. Now, the engine was a total surprise in a way. But even with that said, uh, we got a truck now that is good to go, you know, and it's, um, you know, we're, we're not the, the miles aren't really a problem for us. The, the miles don't really mean that much. You know, the, the motor uh, is good to go. Um, I mean, we got a truck with 1.7 million miles on it. So same engine. So we don't really know how long this motor is going to go because it came used. But we do all samples on it every 25,000 miles and they're coming back looking good. Doesn't use any oil. It hasn't had any problems. So. You know, from the from the numbers uh, standpoint, it fits in our budget, and uh, we, we, the only thing I regret is that we it, it set for six months, so we lost revenue in terms of potential. You know. Yeah. Um, now, I I don't like that. I wish we couldn't. You know, we wouldn't have done that had had we known. You know, what going into what we what we're dealing with. But anyway, we we took we took lemons and made lemonade out of it for sure. You know. Um, but um, I mean, from the number standpoint, it it's still fine. It fits, you know. We we we'll we'll make our money back on that truck. I mean, we still got another month to go, and uh, you know that truck will be probably will be about a break even for this year, you know. But then going into next year, you know, we'll we'll be fine, you know. So um, now, had we got the truck for forty grand up front and we drove it all year, we were still would would have been fine. But the uh, like I say, the thing that that hurt us was the fact that we let it sit for a few months before, while we were trying while we were trying to decide what to do with it, and trying to decide whether you know we we debated on rebuilding. Well, we really couldn't rebuild that motor because it was illegal, but we debated on trying to find you know a um, you know a, a, a new a new uh, a, a re, you know a junk engine that was good or excuse me, that would have been legal and rebuilding it or finding this used engine, which made a lot more sense to do it the way we did it. Uh, and then two, we thought we had something that we could sell because this engine we took out was a great engine. And yeah. if you had a truck that it would be legal in, it would be a perfect thing. Uh, we thought we had a couple of people, but it just did, it turned out that they didn't did, did have the money. And we needed to, you know, I didn't have any place to store it. You know, we was in the, it was in the way. We needed to get this deal done. So we ended up giving this motorway as a core, you know, which, again, I, I regret having to do that. That's, yeah, I'd like to have the that time, back. Yeah, I wish I wish we kept that motor. We should have just paid the core and kept the motor. But there again, we don't have anything that we're working now. I mean, it's just, it's, right. it's, it's a good motor, but we don't have anything that it's legal in, you know. So, um, now, um 
you know, this, um, um, this motor we got, you know, we knew when, when we, when we looked at the truck, the guy said, he said, look, I, and he didn't, he didn't change it. He bought the truck with the engine swap having been done to it. Right. You know, he'd only owned the truck for a couple of years and he bought it from some leasing company and leasing company did the engine swap. So we didn't even have paperwork on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a little bit of a nightmare. No kidding. And, uh, but like you say, the first of all, we're going to come out okay, you know. Um, second of all, we learned so much from doing this. The education's worth something, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it's made us better. We just bought another truck, you know, for example. And obviously, we didn't. We made sure we didn't make the same mistakes twice, you know. Yeah. And uh, and the one we just bought, it's been relatively easy, you know. It's it's a similar similar deal, same year and everything, and. No, it's not. It's an older truck. But, um, you know, I mean, with the exception of maybe a turbo, you know, we're, we're really didn't do much to get this truck on the road, you know, so. Yeah. Well, and I want to reiterate, we could have continued. This truck didn't have to sit in the driveway, right? We made a calculated decision based on risk as to whether or not we should, I guess, ethically, I guess I can use that word, because I knew the ABS in this truck was essentially non-existent. Well, not um, only that, we, you know, we've had other situations where we could have done things, but it puts the driver's reputation at risk. You know, yeah. if you had gotten caught, you would have been put out of service. That would have been on your record for three years. And a, and a, out of service is a big CSA number. It's 10, it's 10 points just, by, just for it being out of service, not counting whatever the, whatever the problem is yeah. times three. And, you know, we, to us, the drivers are more valuable than the trucks and we don't want to lose a driver over, you know, something stupid like this. When, yeah, we could have driven it. Maybe we probably could have got away with it. But what happens if you're the guy in Pennsylvania, they pull over. Right. And now you have the CSA problem, you know, and you can't work at Lancer anymore or most other places, you know. Yeah. Because of your driving record. And it's and it's a twofold problem. It's not only an emissions problem. If they figure out that it's, you know, that it's illegal emissions wise and it doesn't have ABS. You got, you know, now you got two really big problems. So it just, it was not worth it. No. Um, cause I was, you know, I was the driver at the time. I was, right. I was the guy that was going to be my, my neck on the line, uh, to get caught driving that truck. Right. And, and so we were, we, that just was unacceptable, you know, so we wasn't even, we didn't even think about it when we talked about it and we figured out what it was. We just said, no, just park it. You know, we got other trucks, you know, there's no reason for you to be out there you know, taking a chance on this truck, you know? So we just delayed hiring another driver for a while, put you back in the truck you were in mm-hmm. and we figured out what we're going to do with it. So, and, and one more, you know, we, we realized, <laughs> Oh, I forgot about this part. That's the best part about the lights, the dash lights. So <laughs> when the truck's done, <laughs> I called the, I called the Detroit shop and I said, Hey guys, by the way, okay. Remember this all started with ABS, I need to know right. if, the, if is the ABS now fixed, you know, cause my first assumption is, well, it's got the wrong ECM. Now it's got right. this 2000 
or well, no, it was a 98 ECM. And it was a 99 block. It, it just, you know, it was this patchwork. Right. And, uh, I said, we got to know this ABS answer. So he calls me back and he goes, well, I got part of the problem. Uh, they took the, the instrument cluster out and found that the ABS light was gone. Duh. <laughs> and the check engine light was burned out. And I right. guess whoever these morons were that were driving before, when the check engine light burned out, they're like, hey, it's fixed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So well, we, we bought a, we bought another truck, <laughs> and they had a they had a piece of black tape or something or or a, or a post-it note on the cluster in front oh, of it. Velcro, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what we eventually found out was that the ABS was a problem that ended up being fixed at the TA. Okay. Yeah. The the after, the after we the, paid two other people to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course, after we paid one shop $600 to not fix it, we took it to TA who fixed it for like 120. Um, but the, 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 the problem with the ABS just ended up being a, a broken wire and a bad sensor, you know, so it wasn't, uh, you know, so there again, I could have fixed the ABS and continued to drive it without the EGR and could have played the numbers, but it just, it just goes back to the risk. And so, this truck that we just, this 04, um, I have an ABS issue on it and same deal. I, I take the cluster out and the bulbs are missing. So, I mean, let me just offer a public service announcement. Everybody, please listen to me loud and clear. Removing your check engine light bulb and your ABS light bulb cannot be considered a repair. Okay. Can we just all agree that we need to stop stop putting Velcro and black tape, stop removing the bulb, just fix it, okay? Just for the sake of the person down the road that's going to buy this truck, please, for the love of God, please stop doing that. Um, and, and it passed multiple DOT inspections. For, yeah, that that's at, at least two. At least two. You know? At least two. It and passed. they always they find something to get their pound of flesh, but a real problem that you have, they didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, and just with these two trucks, um, I've listened to Kevin Rutherford for years talk about the procedure you should go through when you're looking for a used truck. He talks about getting an ECM report. He talks about getting the truck dyno tested. He he uh, talk, getting a rig dig report. Okay, nobody ever told me to look for 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 missing, my, mice missing dash lights, missing dash lights, mouse nests, you know, um, yeah, about you know, that. this one we just bought was a was a one or two owner truck, and it sat for a while. Yeah, it sat in a barn for yeah a, a long time, and so we buy it, we get it on the road, and just this oh, god awful smell. And so, um, I finally, once I got the truck to me, I, I, I opened the fuse box and there's just mouse shit and you know, everywhere. And so I take all the fuses out, I clean everything. And so I think I've got it all until last week, it started snowing a little bit up in New York and I turned the defroster on and 
dirt and hair and pieces of God knows what starts flying out of the defroster vents. And so I get to my customer and now the smells intensified because I've, I've, I've riled it up. And so I take the whole top off of this dash while I'm getting loaded, which fortunately uh, a century Columbia dash comes apart with about 12 screws. And I find just y'all piles and piles and piles of mice house and nest. And, and, uh, so I'm trying to, it's, and it's fouling up my vacuum cleaner and, um, it, it was just absolutely disgusting. So ABS lights, I'm looking for mice now. Uh, there's so many things that I've learned from these two trucks to how to properly find, you know, what you're looking for. And I know based on Facebook comments, there's somebody listening to this right now and they're thinking, Oh, you wouldn't buy this old junk. That wouldn't happen. Well, we've yet to spend more than 40 grand to have a truck completely operational and now they're paid for. So let's put that up against your $130,000 truck payment that you're going to pay 210 for by the time you pay all the interest. And yeah. it still breaks down. It doesn't yeah. keep you from being in a shop. No. <clears throat> Instead of an ABS problem, you've got, well, name it. Oh, yeah. You're, you know, right. I mean, good God, these dozer valves. I, I read about <clears throat> these guys, these dozer valves and these and these uh, sensors and DEF problems. Um I will take dealing with these trucks because uh, th- they're so simple. You know, we've got one Cascadia in the fleet, and it's the last one I'll ever own. Um, first and last. Yeah, it's the first and I'm done. I, 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 you know, there's just too much electronics on these trucks. You know, just, just light bulbs and crap. And, these, um, and, and after we had one... Just a, a week or so ago, uh, because the uh, the leveling valve on the cab airbags failed, it ripped the shocks off the back of the truck, you know. And thank God for Carl, you know, who is the only human on earth that would have fixed that truck and not demanded it go sit in a body shop for three weeks. Um, and, you know, and he got out the welder and he got out the, the stuff and, and the things fixed better than it's ever been. But. These centuries in Columbia's, y'all, they're damn near bulletproof. Yes, they're plastic. Yes, they're cheap. Yes, they're loud. But they're so easy to work on. You know, I, I just, I mean, even as long as I've driven these trucks, I never realized how simple uh, they are um, in in their construction. Um, you can fix just about anything on them with a T25 Torx bit. You know, in, in a in a couple of screwdrivers, it's uh it, it's amazing. Uh, but we wanted to tell this story because, I mean, in a way, it really is an example of the worst case scenario. It's buying a truck and instantly having to put a motor in it. You know, now we didn't throw a rod and we didn't have you know we didn't drop a line or any of those conventional type problems that you that you might encounter. Um, but. This truck, if if we would have just, you know, I'm going to say me here. I, I should have trusted my instinct a little more on this because I kind of knew there was, there was so many red flags going uh, when we bought this truck. And I ignored them and I should have known better. Uh, but I'm glad in a way because nothing would have taught me um, some of this stuff uh, 
in the detail level. Uh, there's just no other way that I would have learned that outside of actually being a mechanic and uh, having a great Detroit shop, um, having a, a terrible Freightliner dealer that at least we can get parts from, but having a great Detroit shop and some guys that have shown me how a lot of this stuff works and how it's laid out has just been priceless. Um, well, and you look at the one we just bought. I mean, they're they're kind of opposite. I mean, we're we're sitting on about I don't know, probably. Either, you, you've just you just spent some money that I haven't accounted for yet, but we're probably fifteen, eighteen at the most on the truck yeah. we got right now, at the most. Yeah, and it's no seven. No, it's no four. Yeah. Sorry, it's no four. Um, but uh, I mean, when you compare the difference, I mean, we're going to have this truck. What's well, on the road now? You're driving it now. It's making money. We're getting ready to put a driver in it, and we're sitting there probably 18 on it, you know. And a lot of it's because of what we learned from the truck, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're going to have to put a a, a turbo and, and maybe an ECM on it. Um, right. But but even still, you know, in the worst-case scenario, we're still going to be half, you know, somewhere right. in the neighborhood of half. And that's with that's $4,000 worth of tires on it right now. Right. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, so we're, we're looking good. We're, we, we came out pretty good on this one, you know, and, and that's how it is. I mean, you, you, you know, the best you, you can do all, and I do, I, we did rig digs on all these trucks, you know, we did as much as we could do. Uh, this one here, we got lucky in that we have a whole envelope here of service records that, uh, oh, yeah. so we know exactly what's been done to it over the last few years, you know, got all the records for it. Um, But each 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 truck we buy, it, it it's kind of a unique it's a unique challenge, you know. Yeah. And uh, but what you what we try to do is avoid what happened that one time, you know. That one's like you said, we don't really want to get into that again, where we have to buy a truck and put a motor in it. I mean, yeah. it'd be one thing if you if you bought it knowing you were going to do that, because right like right now we think we're going to have an we're going to have a spare motor, so we can go out and look for a truck. Mm-hmm. That we know the motor's bad, but we wouldn't. We would be paying accordingly, you know. Yeah. We, okay, so I, I'm, I'll throw a hypothetical at you here. Just let's say, let's say there's somebody out there who's who's done their due diligence, and let's say they've got fifty thousand dollars saved, right? Would you recommend someone in that situation go find a truck for five grand with a blown motor and put a brand new motor in it? No. Oh, okay. No. I'm just wondering. I wanted to because I want the guy with the fifty grand to spend about thirty on the truck on the road and keep twenty in his reserve in his maintenance account. Okay. He couldn't. He he wouldn't be able to buy the motor for that. So no, I'd rather him buy a, a truck with it that did need a motor. And then have cash for his yeah. first year maintenance account. So, and having, um, you know, the experience that I had with my truck ended up being a drop liner, and I and I I milked it for ten thousand miles. And a dropped liner, it's kind of a, it's it's on the extreme. I mean, you may have an engine that's just worn out. It's going to use a bunch of oil, but it'll still run, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's pretty cheap. Yeah. I mean, you can, in a lot of cases, I'm going to say most cases, you can milk a worn out motor for, for a while. And so if you've, if you've done everything you can do to find the right truck and you find out 30 days in that the motor's just going to lay down on you in six months, well, it, you can save aggressively. And if you don't have that big giant truck payment, you know, doing a motor. And that's one thing that Larry taught me because I just always was scared to death of the idea of doing a motor. But doing a motor is one of the easiest and best things because not only can you get a, an engine rebuilt, but you can insure uh, that investment. You know, you, you can you can cover that. And so uh, I'm no longer, um, I mean, obviously, I, I don't want to stroke a $30,000 check, but I'm no longer... Um, terrified of the idea of doing an in frame because it is not lost money if it's done right it's it's uh no i mean look everything on the truck now again assuming assuming you're buying a truck that's in pretty decent shape and the fenders aren't falling off of and all that kind of stuff the floor is not rusting out everything else can be fixed And, and the and the motor is a million miles so if the truck is if the truck is worth keeping for a million miles, putting a motor in it, if you if you if you spread that cost out over a million miles, it's nothing. It it's twenty five grand. You can you can do the you can do um a, a, an outstanding rebuild with a good shop with a factory warranty and, and, and original parts and everything for twenty five grand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Spread Mine that out was over twenty. Yeah, Mine was sp- twenty with counterbores. Spread that out over over a million miles. Okay. Yeah. What is that? A nickel? It's nothing. It's nothing. Now, going back to your your situation, if I if if I were the guy with the fifty grand and bought a truck and need a motor, I I don't know that I would spend the twenty five. I I would probably put a used motor in it and buy myself another couple of years. Yeah. And that way, and that way, and then and then save the money. And then do the do the motor, then then do it do the in frame on that motor, you know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. If you end up, so we know we can we know we can swap the motor out. Yeah. For, that's four know, grand. Yeah. Plus cost of the motor. Plus the motor, right? So, so it's probably half the, half the cost of an in frame. Yeah. Okay. And you buy yourself a couple of years that way, you know. And yeah. then uh, and then so you've got another couple of years worth of in, worth of income, and savings. And at that point in time, then then build the motor. Yeah, yeah, I like That'd that. Be my man. recommendation. Okay, uh, you think we've adequately told that story? Anything else you would like people to learn from this, uh, from this experience? <laughs> well, you know, it it, it 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 could have been a bad thing. And if again, if if we had borrowed money to buy that truck. It would have put us out of business. If we were a one truck operation, that was our first truck, it probably would have put you out of business. You know. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, it was a blip on the radar screen for us. We learned a lot. We laugh about it now, you know. Uh, but it, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it wasn't a really big deal. We're, I mean, we're into a truck for forty grand, okay? But that's what I expect to have in a truck. You know, 
to get it bought and on the road and modified and all the bugs worked out of it. That's where we expect to be. Yeah. And look, we've only driven the truck for six months. We've already made a hundred thousand dollars out of it with it, you know? So, and how many, how many, how many trucks at Landstar this year do you think would, would, would make 200 if they were on the road all year? Well, you mean in the van division, probably half, but Again, and now you're, now you're getting me to talk about our model. Uh, we we made a hundred grand with this truck because we don't it we it doesn't sit around for two or three days between loads waiting for the four dollar mile load. Okay, it runs every day, and it runs for two dollars a mile or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we don't have to. We don't. <laughs> we can we can take loads and we can make money because our cost of doing business is so low. Okay. And with our cost in business so low, the the person driving that truck. Well, let me just see what the payroll is on that truck. So, whoever drove the truck for six months, the payroll on that truck is what was it? Nine fifty six. Thirty nine thousand dollars. Thirty thirty nine three has been the payroll on that truck. Now that doesn't include this past week yet. So. Um, so over forty thousand. So whoever's driving is going to make eighty thousand dollars this year. Okay. Not too shabby, you know. And and well, there's another month to go. Hang on, we got another month to go. So the guy can be close to ninety. Yeah. Yeah, because I drove it. Well, well, this is just wait a minute. This is just the first week in November. So really, there's two months left to go. And uh, I know who's driving the truck. He's making fourteen hundred bucks a week. Okay. So fourteen times four. Is what ninety two times two is almost twenty grand. So our payroll is going to be sixty on that truck for six months. That's probably a little high, but but yeah, it's I mean at least because I drove that truck. I drove that truck the most that it's been here, right? And so you know that's my two grand a week and his fourteen hundred. You know, so it, it it. you know, it's each ninety to a hundred easy. Right, it would be the average right. payroll on that truck. But the point I'm making is that you know we a driver has made that much money. We've broke even on mm-hmm. the truck. Okay, so now going into next year, we stand to make as a company good money, and a driver's going to make good money too, all mm-hmm. in a forty thousand dollar investment that was a pain in the ass. You know. Yeah. I mean. How wrong, how wrong can you, can it be? You know, really? I mean, came out. Yeah. But look, we, we're pretty good problem solvers too. I mean, you talked about the truck with, uh, with the tie rod in there. Well, it was this truck, you know, a couple weeks yeah. ago, guys driving down the road and if t- breaks a tie rod, miraculously, he gets it off the road into a rest area, into a parking spot. And so <laughs> tie rod tubes laid on the ground, banging, tie, dragging the tie rod tube behind it. I'm like, holy smoke. So we, we're, we're on, we're on it. We think, we think a tie rod's going to fix it. So we get an Uber to bring the tie rod from Louisville down to E-Town. Mm-hmm. And we got a shop there putting that. Well, it didn't, it didn't do it. You know, it, it, needed, it needed the complete tie rod tube and everything. Nobody had it. Well, I found it in Cincinnati. So I jump in the car, drive to Cincinnati, get it deliver it down there to the driver. He didn't even lose. Uh, I mean, he, he was taking his 10 hour break while all this was going on. We didn't even lose a day. 
Yeah. You know, he, he started the next day out. Everything was fixed. Rolled through there and set the toe on it at the at the shop that came and fixed it on the side of the road. Yep. And, yep. And uh, set I mean, the toe, let it go, and then he. And, we honestly, we didn't. We weren't, we weren't even late on the load. The no, load delivered and, on and time. That, and the stages, you know, you got the stages of grief. We should cover the stages of maintenance because you're at one point we're like, okay, how are we going to repair this load? Are we going to get another driver up there? Are we going right. to I mean, we're trying because number one, we have a duty to our customer, and we it's on us. It, we, it's not the well, call the agent, call Landstar, let them figure it out. It it, it starts with us as to how to figure out how this load's going to get delivered. Right. The agent didn't and even know the low was in peril ever. The they low, had no it idea. It was fixed before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, they probably still don't know. No, you know no. that that, that load uh, at one point we didn't know if it was going to get delivered or not. Um, but you know we had to go some extreme measures, and uh, uh, but we got the part to the truck. And uh, let me let me just get my soapbox about the good old days again. Y- y'all, the fact that we can call Uber. And have them pick up parts and take them to a truck on the side of the road. Or when I had that filter, I had a filter come loose on an OPS in Binghamton, New York. And my truck shuts down. And I get out and there's freaking oil everywhere. And I've dumped out nine gallons. And I, I literally got on my phone. I ordered the oil online, Advanced Auto Parts, sent an Uber to get it. He brings it to me. Wasn't enough. I made another order. He went to a different Advanced Auto Parts. I was on the side of the road for an hour. I lost nine gallons of oil. You know, right. Right. and, uh, God, y'all take, take your good old days and shove them. I want no part of it. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's an amazing time, uh, you know, with the, the stuff that we have available to us now. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the troubleshooting and the, the taking the time to just sit down and that's where having two of us helps a lot. Because we can back and forth. What if we do this? No, that won't work. What if we do this? No, that won't work. What if we do this? Oh, that'll work. You know, and we, we can bounce back and forth off of one another. So if you're a single truck, you know, you need to be networking with some friends and um, and having somebody you can call and talk to in those crisis moments because your brain's going every different direction and you got to figure out, come up with some kind of solution. And it's not just, we'll pass the buck off somebody else. Call Landstar. They'll fix it. You know, well, even the, even the cab shocks, I mean, you know, that could have been a, that that could have been a huge problem, you know, and oh, we yeah. knew where it had to go. We just had to figure out how to get him there, you know, mm-hmm. so we worked the loads around, you know, got him, got him to where we needed to be. And uh, the next day he's going, you know. Yeah, we had to give up one load. We had to give up one load. Yeah. We gave up one load because uh, the alternative is that. Um, we have to take it to a body shop and it sits there for two weeks and the driver's not making any money and the truck's not making any money. And so we gave up a load. We deadheaded four hours. Um, I don't even remember how many hours of labor that was 16. I don't remember. Something like that. Well, he started on at 1400 and he stayed until six o'clock the next morning working on that truck. Right. And so that's, uh, six that's about 14. So he had 13, 14, 15 hours or something in it. Uh, so at 120 bucks an hour, I mean, you do the math, but what was the alternative? The alternative was making no money for two weeks because the truck's in a body shop, having the whole back of the cab replaced. And I mean, y'all, I drove down there. <laughs> he had he had the whole sleeper tour out of his truck. He had the, the bed 
tore out and had it like laying up at a 90 degree angle and, and held up to the roof by ratchet straps. <laughs> I mean, dude, there was, there was cussing and hollering and hurt feelings in that shop that night. And, uh, he said if the back of that cab wouldn't have been aluminum and he could have got to it with a welder, he'd have been out there in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that we've got a guy that first of all, be willing, is willing to stay all night and do that. I mean, yeah. how, you know, the value of, you know, of, um, uh, you know, of, of building his relationships. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Just the fact that he was, he was willing to do it. That's, I that's bet he's incredible. looking forward to his Christmas card this year. I bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he is. Well, uh, I, y'all, there's just a, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to tell one more story. We had, uh, the, the, so the cab shocks, I'll give you a little background on that. So first thing that happened was a cab shock, uh, broke. So I had the driver go to a, a Freightliner dealer and pick up the shocks and he had some time in between loads and he was like, well, I'll go to the TA in Jessup, Maryland. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's cool. I've never been there before or never had any work done there before, but the place is just crazy chaos and um he needed a pm done and of course a pm for us we don't drain the oil it's it's changed the ops filter it's it's changed the oil filter change the fuel filter and uh, this truck's the dd15 so it has cartridge filters instead of a spin-on filter so uh he's in there all day long so i remember sending out a group text you know hey y'all i'm i'm going to bed and I've been laying there 10 minutes and the phone rings and it's my driver. And he says, uh, Hey man, this guy says there's no oil filter in this truck and your oil looks like chocolate milk. <laughs> and I thought the, dude, the things that are going through my mind. And I said, you check the oil. Yeah. Yeah. It's black. Okay. He said, I just pulled an oil sample and the oil's black. I said, what is this? What is this fool talking about? He says, I'll take your picture. So he takes a picture. He sends me a picture of the coolant filter housing, which is on the driver's side of a DD-15. Now, Detroit Freightliner, whoever, Daimler, no longer requires a coolant filter. So there wasn't a coolant filter in it. And I said, so you're telling me this guy doesn't know the difference between a coolant filter and an oil filter. And he, <laughs> my driver kind of giggles and he's like, no, it looks that way. So I call Larry. It's 1130 at night. And I said, uh, I said, here's the situation. He said, call the, call the shop. So we got, th- I, I three way it. And, um, matter of fact, I believe you were in the car with your wife at this time. I was. Weren't you, you were on your way back. I was on my way from, back from taking that tire ride. Tire ride to Elizabeth down. <laughs> so, so y'all, this is so good because here, here's the, here's the big picture. Larry is so personable and charming. And, um, just knows how to engage people. And of course I walk in with like resting bitch face. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't really gotten a hold of this whole, you know, interpersonal communication thing. So, uh, so I three-way the shop and a girl enters the phone and I say, Hey, uh, this is Chris with Blue Ribbon Logistics. And, uh, my driver just called me and I'm a little concerned that um of what he told me 
that that it sounds like the the mechanic doesn't know the difference between a coolant filter and oil filter. And she goes, well, he's very, very new. And I said, okay, well, how about we take a very, very new guy that doesn't know the difference between a coolant filter and an oil filter and get him away from my truck? And her nasty, condescending, smart-ass response was, well, it can just wait till 8 o'clock in the morning. And at this point, I reach over on my phone and hit mute and waited for the explosion. And Hurricane Larry comes through. And, I mean, he hit this chick like she he was driving a bulldozer. He run over her. He stomped on her head. Y'all, it was glorious. It was the, it was the, that was the most fun, like, five or ten minutes. And my favorite line was, are you the manager? And she says, yes. And he says, is there anybody there above you? And she says, no. And he goes, okay, you have a choice right now. You can choose to be an employee or you can choose to be a manager. And if you're going to choose to be a manager, you're going to get up off your ass and go into that shop and find out what the hell's going on with my truck. Y'all, I'm done. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm in tears. And so there's just silence. And we're like, did she hang up? And she finally comes back. Y'all, she was rosy and helpful and um, and she got everything straightened out and the driver calls me back and he goes, well, how'd that go? And I said, well, Larry, Larry tore her up pretty good. He said, yeah, I, I was watching. He said, you should have seen the look on her face. <laughs> it was glorious. It was just outstanding. We have a thousand stories y'all that we could tell with these shops in the, in the, um, because the, you come into opportunity. You come into these situations and you think, well, I shouldn't have to tell them that. Oh, yes, you do. Whatever it is that you think they should already know. No, 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 no. Do not assume because you're going to make an ass out of you and me. Um, Do not assume that they know what you want. Don't assume that they know how you want it done. Now, don't be a jerk, you know, and we're not jerks unless it's warranted. Um. But well, this, uh, this is a Freightliner service point, <laughs> and that DD15 is the most common Freightliner engine in production today. It is, and you're telling me that the guy you got working on my truck at a Freightliner service point with the most popular engine made today cannot find the difference between a coolant filter. Not even that. Comes back and tells me that my truck is not the, the oil filter is missing off chocolate my truck, milk. and that where it is, it looks like chocolate milk. I, I saw. I, I'm, I just. I'm sorry, but at that point in time, there's no excuse. There's no I excuse you can come back with. I don't know what he's drinking, but if he ever put, <laughs> if he ever drinks chocolate milk, it looks like that. I'm wondering about him, because yeah. uh, it looked like red coolant. You know, I could yeah. see him. I mean, it looks like Kool-Aid. I get that. <laughs> Chocolate milk. <laughs> uh, y'all, there's never a dull moment. So, okay. So this is, uh, this has been over an hour. So we, we've, uh, we covered this. So, I, I mean, I'd love, I can't wait to see if the type of questions that will be generated by an episode like this. Um, and, and, and eventually I'm going to try to put, some of these little principles and stuff that we've learned, especially about the, uh, the century into Columbia, because uh, that's our kind of our warehouse uh, of of those things you want to look at, check for, 
uh, when you're, when you're looking at buying a truck, you know, because if you're, if you're going to follow our model, you're going to be looking for five to $10,000 trucks, you know? And so it's like, what are the things that, um, you know, okay, doesn't matter. Well, the seat sucks, <laughs> whatever, you know, all pieces of the dash are broken, <laughs> whatever, you know, I've learned, I've learned in the last month that you can have the entire dash torn out of a Columbia or a century in about 20 minutes, you know, and the, and you can replace the whole dash for like 500 bucks. Um, that's not a big deal. Um, but what are the things, those real deal breakers, you know, if I look at a truck and I see that, whatever that is, okay, no, I don't want this truck, you know, so B, we'll try to put some, uh, put that, some of that down on paper, uh, for you. But I hope you've been entertained by this. Uh, we weren't necessarily entertained by doing it, but we do occasionally entertain ourselves by talking about it. So you got anything else you want to add to that? No, I think we, I think we covered it. If there's any questions about it, obviously, uh, we like the questions. Send them to us. We yeah. happy to answer them. Yeah, Chris at, at, Chris at blueribbonlogistics.com. Larry at blueribbonlogistics.com. You find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Blue Ribbon Logistics. Um, and I guess that'll be it for today. Um, everybody have fun and be safe.